Hello and welcome back to the Bible Podcast. Today is April 21st. We're reading through 1 Kings. Today we'll cover chapters 9 through 11. Let's begin. Chapter 9. After Solomon had finished the Lord's temple and the royal palace, having accomplished everything he'd wanted to do, the Lord appeared to him a second time, as he had appeared to him at Gibeon. The Lord told him, I have heard your prayer and your request to me. I have dedicated this temple you have built by placing my name on it forever. I will always watch over it and take care of it. As for you, if you follow my ways, as your father David did, doing everything I've told you to do, and if you keep my laws and regulations, then I will make your throne secure forever. I made this agreement with your father David, telling him, You will always have a descendant to rule over Israel. But if you or your descendants turn away and do not keep the laws and the commandments I have given you, and if you go and serve and worship other gods, then I will cut Israel off from the land I have given them. I will banish from my presence this temple I have dedicated to my honor, and I will make it an object lesson of ridicule among the nations. This temple will become a pile of rubble. All who pass by it will be appalled and will hiss, saying, Why has the Lord acted in such a way to this land and this temple? The answer will come, Because they abandoned the Lord their God, who brought their forefathers out of Egypt and have embraced other gods, worshiping them and serving them. That's why the Lord has brought all this trouble upon them. It took 20 years for Solomon to construct the two buildings, the temple of the Lord and his own palace. After this, King Solomon gave 20 towns in Galilee to Hiram, king of Tyre, because Hiram had provided him with all the cedar and juniper and gold he wanted. But when Hiram went from Tyre to see the cities that Solomon had given him, he was not happy with them. What are these towns you have given me, my brother? asked Hiram. He called them the land of Kabul, suggesting these towns were of no value, and Kabul is the name they are known by to this day. Even so, Hiram sent the king 120 talents of gold in payment. Here is the account of the forced labor that King Solomon imposed to build the Lord's temple, his own palace, the terraces, and the wall of Jerusalem, as well as Hazor, Megiddo, and Gezer. Pharaoh, king of Egypt, had attacked and captured Gezer. He had set it on fire, killed the Canaanites living in the town. He had then given it as a wedding dowry to his daughter, Solomon's wife. Solomon rebuilt Gezer and lower Beth Haran, Balath and Tamar in the wilderness, in the land of Judah, and all of Solomon's towns for storage, and the towns for his chariots and for his horsemen, plus whatever Solomon wanted to build in Jerusalem, in Lebanon, and throughout his entire kingdom. The descendants of the Amorites, Hittites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites, basically people who were not Israelites, who remained in the land, those whom the Israelites were unable to destroy completely, were conscripted by Solomon to work as forced laborers, as they continue to do to this day. But Solomon did not enslave any of the Israelites. They were his soldiers, officials, commanders, captains, chariot commanders, and horsemen. They were also the chief officers in charge of Solomon's programs, 550 in command of the people who carried out the work. Once Pharaoh's daughter had moved from the city of David to the palace that Solomon had built for her, he built the city terraces. Three times each year Solomon sacrificed burnt offerings and friendship offerings on the altar he had built for the Lord, 
burning incense before the Lord with them, and so fulfilled what was required at the temple. King Solomon built a fleet of ships at Ezion-Geber, which is near Eloth on the shore of the Red Sea in the land of Edom. Hiram sent his sailors who knew the sea to serve in the fleet with Solomon's men. They sailed to Ophir and brought back 420 talents of gold from there and delivered it to Solomon. Chapter 10. The Queen of Sheba heard how famous Solomon was, so she came to Jerusalem to test him with tough questions. She brought with her a very large entourage with camels loaded with spices, large amounts of gold and precious gemstones. She came to Solomon and asked him about everything she had on her mind. Solomon answered all her questions. There was nothing he couldn't explain to her. When the Queen of Sheba saw Solomon's wisdom and the palace he had built and the food on the table and how his officials lived, how his servants operated and how they were dressed, the clothes of the waiters and the burnt offerings he presented at the Lord's tables, she was so astonished she could hardly breathe. She told the king, It is true what I heard in my own country about your proverbs and your wisdom, but I didn't believe what they told me until I came and saw with my own eyes. In fact, I wasn't told the half of it. The extent of your wisdom far exceeds what I heard. How happy your people must be. How happy those who work for you, who stand here every day listening to your wisdom. Praise the Lord your God who is so pleased with you, who placed you on his throne as king to rule on his behalf. Because of the love of your God for Israel, he has made them secure forever, and he has made you king over them to do what is fair and right. She presented the king with 120 talents of gold, huge amounts of spices and precious stones. Never before had there been spices like those the Queen of Sheba gave to King Solomon. Hiram's fleet of ships brought gold from Ophir and also carried algam wood and precious stones. The king used the algam wood to make steps for the temple and for the royal palace, and into lyres and harps for the musicians. Nothing like them had ever been seen before in the land of Judah. King Solomon gave the Queen of Sheba all she wanted, whatever she asked for. This was in addition to the usual gifts he had generously given her. Then she and her attendants returned home to her own country. Each year, Solomon received about 25 tons of gold. This did not include the additional revenue he received from merchants and traders, all the kings of Arabia and the governors of the land. King Solomon made 200 large shields of hammered gold, each weighing more than 15 pounds. He also made 300 smaller shields of hammered gold, each weighing nearly 4 pounds. The king placed these shields in the palace of the forest of Lebanon. Then the king made a huge throne, decorated with ivory and overlaid with fine gold. The throne had six steps and a rounded back. There were armrests on both sides of the seat, and the figure of a lion stood on each side of the throne. There were also twelve other lions, one standing on each end of the six steps. No other throne in all the world could compare to it. All of King Solomon's drinking cups were solid gold, as were all the utensils in the palace of the forest of Lebanon. They were not made of silver, for silver was considered worthless in Solomon's day. The king had a fleet of trading ships that sailed with Hiram's fleet. Once every three years the ships returned, loaded with gold, silver, ivory, apes, and peacocks. So King Solomon became richer and wiser than any other king on earth. People from every nation came to consult him and to hear the wisdom God had given him. 
Year after year, everyone who visited brought him gifts of silver and gold, clothing, weapons, spices, horses, and mules. Solomon built up a huge force of chariots and horses. He had 1,400 chariots and 12,000 horses. He stationed some of them in the chariot cities and some near him in Jerusalem. The king made silver as plentiful in Jerusalem as stone, and valuable cedar timber was as common as the sycamore fig tree that grows in the foothills of Judah. Solomon's horses were imported from Egypt and from Cilicia. The king's traders acquired them from Cilicia at the standard price. At that time, chariots from Egypt could be purchased for 600 pieces of silver and horses for 150 pieces of silver. They were then exported to the kings of the Hittites and the kings of Aram. Chapter 11 Now King Solomon loved many foreign women. Besides Pharaoh's daughter, he married women from Moab, Ammon, Edom, Sidon, and from among the Hittites. The Lord had clearly instructed the people of Israel, You must not marry them because they will turn your hearts to their gods. Yet Solomon insisted on loving them anyway. He had 700 wives of royal birth and 300 concubines. And in fact, they did turn his heart away from the Lord. In Solomon's old age, they turned his heart to worship other gods instead of being completely faithful to the Lord his God as his father David had been. Solomon worshipped Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and Molech, the detestable god of the Ammonites. In this way, Solomon did what was evil in the Lord's sight. He refused to follow the Lord completely as his father David had done. On the Mount of Olives east of Jerusalem, he even built a pagan shrine for Chemosh, the detestable god of Moab, and another for Molech, the detestable god of the Ammonites. Solomon built such shrines for all his foreign wives to use for their burning incense and sacrificing to their gods. The Lord was very angry with Solomon, for his heart had turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice. He had warned Solomon specifically about worshiping other gods, but Solomon did not listen to the Lord's command. So now the Lord said to him, Since you have not kept my covenant and have disobeyed my decrees, I will surely tear the kingdom away from you and give it to one of your servants. But for the sake of your father David, I will not do this while you are still alive. I will take the kingdom away from your son, and even so I will not take away the entire kingdom. I will let him be king of one tribe for the sake of my servant David and for the sake of Jerusalem, my chosen city. Then the Lord raised up Hadad the Edomite, a member of Edom's royal family, to be Solomon's adversary. Years before, David had defeated Edom. Joab, his army commander, had stayed to bury some of the Israelite soldiers who had died in battle. While there, they killed every male in Edom. Joab and the army of Israel had stayed there for six months killing them. But Hadad and a few of his father's royal officials escaped and headed for Egypt. Hadad was just a boy at the time. They set out from Midian and went to Paran, where others joined them. Then they traveled to Egypt and went to Pharaoh, who gave them a home, food, and some land. Pharaoh grew very fond of Hadad, and he gave him his wife's sister in marriage, the sister of Queen Tapenes. She bore him a son named Jenubath. Tapenes raised him in Pharaoh's palace among Pharaoh's own sons. 
When the news reached Hadad in Egypt that David and his commander Joab were both dead, he said to Pharaoh, Let me return to my own country. Why? Pharaoh asked him. What do you lack here that makes you want to go home? Nothing, he replied, but even so, please let me return home. God also raised up Rezon, son of Eliada, as Solomon's adversary. Rezon had fled from his master, King Hadadezer of Zobah, and had become the leader of a gang of rebels. After David conquered Hadadezer, Rezon and his men fled to Damascus, where he became king. Rezon was Israel's bitter adversary for the rest of Solomon's reign, and he made trouble, just as Hadad did. Rezon hated Israel intensely and continued to reign in Aram. Another rebel leader was Jeroboam, son of Nebat, one of Solomon's own officials. He came from the town of Zereda in Ephraim, and his mother was Zeruah, a widow. This is the story behind his rebellion. Solomon was rebuilding the supporting terraces and repairing the walls of the city of his father David. Jeroboam was a very capable young man, and when Solomon saw how industrious he was, he put him in charge of the labor force from the tribes of Ephraim and Manasseh, the descendants of Joseph. One day, as Jeroboam was leaving Jerusalem, the prophet Ahijah from Shiloh met him along the way. Ahijah was wearing a new cloak. The two of them were alone in a field, and Ahijah took hold of the new cloak he was wearing and tore it into twelve pieces. Then he said to Jeroboam, Take ten of these pieces, for this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says, I am about to tear the kingdom from the hand of Solomon, and I will give ten of the tribes to you. But I will leave him one tribe for the sake of my servant David, and for the sake of Jerusalem, which I have chosen out of all the tribes of Israel. For Solomon has abandoned me, and worshipped Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians. Chemosh, the god of Moab, and Molech, the god of the Ammonites. He has not followed my ways and done what is pleasing in my sight. He has not obeyed my decrees and regulations as David his father did. But I will not take the entire kingdom from Solomon at this time, for the sake of my servant David, the one whom I chose and who obeyed my commands and decrees. I will keep Solomon as leader for the rest of his life, but I will take the kingdom away from his son and give ten of the tribes to you. His son will have one tribe so that the descendants of David, my servant, will continue to reign, shining like a lamp in Jerusalem, the city I have chosen to be the place for my name. And I will place you on the throne of Israel, and you will rule over all that your heart desires. If you listen to what I tell you and follow my ways and do whatever I consider to be right, and if you obey my decrees and commands as my servant David did, then I will always be with you. I will establish an enduring dynasty for you as I did for David, and I will give Israel to you. Because of Solomon's sin, I will punish the descendants of David, though not forever. Solomon tried to kill Jeroboam, but he fled to King Shishak of Egypt and stayed there until Solomon died. The rest of the events in Solomon's reign, including all his deeds and wisdom, are recorded in the book of the Acts of Solomon. Solomon ruled in Jerusalem over all Israel for 40 years. When he died, he was buried in the city of David, named for his father. Then his son Rehoboam became the next king. Okay, so we see Israel dividing here in the year 931 BC, split into two kingdoms, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. From 931 
to 910 BC, Jeroboam, son of Nebat from the tribe of Ephraim, was the first king of the northern kingdom of Israel. He led the northern ten tribes into the sins that brought about the destruction of the northern kingdom. Jeroboam began his political career by supervising Solomon's labor forces in the territory of Ephraim and Manasseh. Because Solomon had drifted away from the Lord, God determined to remove the ten northern tribes from the rule of David's descendants. The prophet Ahijah told Jeroboam that the Lord had chosen him to lead those tribes and to give him a lasting dynasty if he was faithful. Solomon apparently caught wind of what had happened and tried to kill Jeroboam, who sought refuge in Egypt. When Solomon died, his son Rehoboam was immediately proclaimed king in Judah, but the northern tribes had to affirm his kingship separately. Seizing the opportunity, Jeroboam took the northern leaders to Rehoboam to seek relief from the harsh labor Solomon had forced upon them. Rehoboam, influenced by young advisors, foolishly spurned their request, so the north appointed Jeroboam as its leader. Thus the kingdom was divided, just as God had promised. Jeroboam did not remain committed to God. He worried that if his people went to the temple in Jerusalem to worship, they would support the southern kingdom. He had no confidence in God to secure his reign, so he carried out his own plan to secure his people's spiritual allegiance. He built two gold calf shrines at the north and south of his kingdom. God was displeased with these shrines and sent a prophet to condemn them. Though Jeroboam initially responded to the prophet's display of divine power, the calf shrines remained intact throughout the northern kingdom's history. Jeroboam's false religion was a key reason for the destruction of the northern kingdom in 722 BC. Because of Jeroboam's sins, God did not give him a dynasty, though Jeroboam's son Nadab inherited the throne when his father died. He was assassinated two years later by a usurper named Basha. Jeroboam's dynasty ended as a punishment for his sins. Looking back in recent history, the famed Red Baron of Germany was shot down on this day in 1918. Baron Manfred von Richthofen was one of the Allies' most formidable enemies during World War I. He single-handedly downed 80 planes in two years, flying his Fokker triplane, which he had painted a flaming red. This unique feature earned him the title, the Red Baron. The daring flying ace died in a crash, and his body was recovered by Royal Flying Corps pilots, who buried him with full military honors. He once admitted, I am a hunter. My brother Lothar is a butcher. When I have shot down an Englishman, my hunting passion is satisfied for a quarter of an hour. Germany's Red Baron was such a formidable enemy to the Allies that his name is still spoken with awe and respect by those in the military. Charles Schultz had even featured the Red Baron's name on occasion in his Peanuts comic strip when Snoopy fantasized on top of his doghouse. Solomon had some formidable enemies also. As long as Solomon served God, his enemies couldn't touch him. However, when the old king strayed away from his creator, God permitted the enemies to pile up on him. Rather than seeing this as a loving rebuke from a God who desired reconciliation, Solomon continued his disobedient ways and died in disgrace. Looking deeper, the path of sin starts small 
but soon broadens to a busy highway of destruction. Solomon thought little about marrying foreign wives, but he soon found sin had trapped him. Our problem is not ignorance, but rebellion. God's word had made it perfectly clear that the kings of Israel were not to have multiple wives. Solomon knew, but did it anyway. Age doesn't bring wisdom. God gives it. Solomon grew older, but not wiser. In his old age, his heart turned to the advice of his foreign wives rather than God's word. God's love turns to anger when we continue to deliberately disobey. God first called Solomon Jedidiah because he loved him so. Now God was extremely angry. When God lifts his hand of protection from us, all hell breaks loose. Solomon found himself surrounded by hostile enemies who threatened his life and his throne. Let's pray. Help me, Lord, not only to start the race, but finish it well. Keep me close to the cross. Help me see that some troubles come to me as your loving warnings. As we read in Proverbs 9, verse 10, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. I'm looking forward to being with you tomorrow, April 22nd, as we read through 1 Kings chapters 12 and 13.